Welcome to Householders, a conversation about American life as Zen practice. I'm Inga Annie Wade. And I'm Kyosaku John Mitchell, and we're lay members of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center. We're in person. Yeah. We're together without masks on. That's the first time. Yeah. I mean, we're still a little far apart, but that's for audio reasons. Yeah. <laughs> so I can lean on this little thing back here. Yeah, we've, we've each got a column to lean on. I feel like we should set the scene. Yeah. Well, uh, this is the first time we've like recorded not only in person, but outside. Yeah, that's true. Though that's something we talked about doing the first time. Yeah. We just didn't get around to it. Yeah. <laughs> but also, we were wearing masks hanging out that time. Like, it was a totally different time. Yes. And now it feels like we should be out doing stuff again. Well, we should be, but it's hard to get back into the groove of things. That's for sure. Um, you know, in, in working, I'm just, I'm trying to find the groove of that, which I think I have. But, like, I'm like, how much can I go out? <laughs> Not sure yet. And still be, like, productive mm. member of of the uh, the team. <laughs> you, know? you mean, like, how late? Not how even how late. I, I just with my disability, I have to do a mm-hmm. lot of things to mm-hmm. keep up with that, and I'm not like sure how much I can like go out and do other things mm-hmm. and still be in balance of of that. Mm-hmm. How so. are you feeling like with the extra energy expenditure of working? Um, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised. I'm doing pretty well. Um, how about you? I mean, you're working too, and yeah, it's you know, a lot. That's this a week has really been a lot. Uh, I I realize that I'm taking it out. I'm taking the energy out of my relationship with my like out of my family, out of my. I mean, the, the kids are obviously they have like a reserve capacity that I have to save, but my wife and I are having lots of short convers like like terse, intense kind of frustrated conversations oh. and a lot of miscommunication and stuff. Well, that happens sometimes. It does just happen sometimes, but I, it also seems pretty clear that like I'm uh, that I'm spending what I've got on the ramp up at work and not saving enough. Yeah, I, mean, I don't really think of a human being as a battery like that. You know, no, like but for certain, I mean, you yeah. know, they have a way to describe it with uh, with people with uh, disabilities mm. too, like they. For some reason, they compare it to spoons. I'm not really sure where that comes from exactly, but like, if you have a certain amount of spoons every day, and mm. you every time you do something, you have to use one of those spoons. Mm-hmm. So even like showering could take up a spoon, and it is true when you have a disability, showering is a whole spoon. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a hard floor. You got to stand in there. <laughs> yeah, that's totally. why I take baths, but. Yeah. <laughs> Does that replace a spoon in the in the drawer? Taking a bath? So, yeah, it can, but mm-hmm. also it's it's still time though. So I don't know exactly how the math works right, out. How, on what that. the spoon the spoon to life ratio is? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anything uh, making yourself food and whatnot. So if you only have so many, you got to pick and choose what you're going to spend your spoons on. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, if you spend too many at work, then then how are you going to have enough time for family? It's a it's a tough decision. Yeah, I mean it's. It's exciting. You know, It's it, this is how they get you, right? Like, I'm not comparing my job, which I guess I haven't really, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't know if I want to, like, talk about what my job is on here. Yeah. But the, the job is very exciting to me. Yeah. And it's not like anything I've ever done before either in that way. Like, it's something that I feel super good about going and doing every day. And that is leading me to 
go for it. Like oh. volunteer to do things, you know, that that are above and beyond yeah. and stuff. And, you know, I should be doing that with my family. But, yes. I mean, when you mean, like, volunteer, you mean, like, outside of your regular hours? No, or? no. I mean just, like, oh, I'll do that. I can do that. I've got <laughs> capacity for that. Uh, that doesn't really sound like my job, but I'll do it anyway, you know? Yeah. Why not? And uh, it's, you know, part of it is driven by, like, a little bit of imposter syndrome, I feel like, I have to say. Like, again, again without getting too specific on on what my job is like it's a job that is a lifelong career thing for most people mm-hmm. like a thing that they learned that they studied in school and they did right out of college and you know it's a thing that people commit their whole lives to and here i come swinging in at 33 years old mm-hmm. never having done it before and i have a little bit of a feeling like i have to justify my presence in order yeah. to be accepted or to not get fired or something. Right. And so I'm so I'm I'm really really um taking on a lot beyond the sort of minimal requirements. And I feel good about that in a vacuum, but I I then get home and I mean get home. <laughs> this all takes place within <laughs> 10 feet of my children, of course. But like I I come out of my office and sort of feel myself pushed to the absolute limit and can't push any further with the people I live with, the people in my life, my family. And, and that doesn't feel, it doesn't, it it feels like if I'm doing extra at work Mm -hmm. and not doing extra at home, I should stop doing extra at work so that I can do extra at home. That seems logical. If we, you know, if we only have another, certain amount of energy or spoons or whatever then yeah it seems like it's got to come from somewhere yeah but can't manifest really like a quantity like that i think it is Mm. yeah i mean there's there's i mean it's like this is we're getting into the zen part i feel like because because there's it's not like you know it's not a zen attitude to sort of look at the universe as this infinite bounty of love and energy that we can all tap into you know the sort of like if i had to describe a new age belief about reality mm-hmm. it would be something like that like you just sort of open yourself up and like <laughs> infinite power and energy comes through and you can be a channel for that and do you know the lord's work yeah but like there's like something there's power in the finite yes there's like okay, yes. well, I th- I th- and this is I'm gonna I'm gonna um, compare this to Star Wars. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, like in the early, everybody loves the original Star Wars like s- series um, because they had a a finite number of resources mm. and you know they only had practical effects and they had to mm. just really make do with what they had and. Uh, you know, once they get, got all the resources they wanted, or when George Lucas got all the resources he wanted, you know, he spent it all a lot on um, the like digital and uh, mm-hmm. you know CGI and stuff. And I mean, I I look, I'm not gonna debate what what's better. I just think that at that time, probably the practical effects looked better. <laughs> but um, you know, just because I guess he wanted to be like you know 
get as much as the newness and the um, the extravagance as he can, and you know you lose something along the way of not having uh, those constraints. Mm. Constraints aren't always mm. like a bad thing. I love I love constraints because you. I think that's where all the creativity comes from. That is a true designer's mindset, <laughs> and I appreciate it very much. It took me a second to realize you were talking about the production of the films and not the universe inside of the films, because there's and I, so I love. Well, we could go there too. I think we could. That's <laughs> what I'm going to say is like, you know, Star Trek versus Star Wars, is a cultural. Uh, point of tension sometimes i like them both i do too but think about it star trek is the universe of infinite bounty where you can materialize whatever you want for dessert whenever you want by yeah. speaking to the computer uh, did i say st star trek star trek is that one uh, i think that's and what you said star wars <laughs> is the one where your ship is a bucket of bolts and if it breaks you have to stop <laughs> flying and go fix it and like those stories uh, have have more tension. You never wonder what's going to happen at the end of an episode of Star Trek, right? No, but I I do like uh, Star Trek because they can do anything they choose yeah. to focus on the mind and like the mm. human experience mm -hmm. or you know, especially with like data, which I always thought was very special about like next generation is, yeah. you know, was data in particular totally, me too. going through his experiences of life. They choose to focus on that, which is sort of like smaller than mm -hmm. the star Wars mm -hmm. universe. That's an interesting point. They both have very deep spiritual components to them. And it's, it's uh, kind of about perspective, right? Like, cause the star Wars spirituality is very like Taoist, uh, universal in nature. Mm -hmm. It's about the big picture, and yeah. the this this the spiritual practice is to focus on the big picture, or not even focus. I guess focus is what you do when you use the force, but it's like you 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 open yourself to the big picture, like you know, almost like the New Agey thing that I was saying. But it's not like Jedi get infinite powers; they they're exhausted. They mm -hmm. they sometimes use it up completely and like die disappear yeah uh, and the or get you know if they go dark side they get consumed by it and and so there is there is a you said there's beauty in the finite i feel like that's definitely an aspect of the the sort of zen answer to the new age universe of infinite bounty but there's also just the give and take right there's like uh karma the cause and effect yeah like, like action and reaction so you're not just create. You're not just bringing like infinite energy into the world. You're like you're channeling energy. From yeah, one when place you to you have to pick and choose. I mean, if I'm playing a video game, <laughs> wow, this is like the nerdiest conversation we've ever had. It's true. This is this is my true form. <laughs> um, if I'm playing a video game, like just because like maybe you have like all the options ahead of you. But you still have to pick and choose. You get to pick and choose which ones you're going to take. Mm -hmm. If you got to do all of them, I think that would be less exciting. Totally. Um, but also, like, I'm choosing who I want to be in life and what I spend my time on. Mm -hmm. And I get to choose that. Mm -hmm. But if I could do it all, then that seems less... Um, it seems less personalized. It seems less, like, meaningful. Mm. Mm. I, have, I have a friend this is we're gonna stay totally sci-fi right now i but 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 it's a this is like more of a hypothetical like a sort of scenario like the anyway i have a friend 
with whom I have a lifelong disagreement about whether we would choose eternal life, like immortality, mm-hmm. uh, or not. Or uh, and it's it's not with some of my friends. It's like an uploading consciousness to the yeah. cloud kind of co- version okay. of conversation. I don't even think that's possible. Like I don't think that there is any like in Black technology. Mirror? Yeah, like I don't think that I don't think that. Well, like, I mean, it could probably like copy like a copy of your consciousness. Yeah, but I think it would necessarily would... <laughs> be like a downsampled weird simulation of it. Like it wouldn't be you. I don't think. I mean, this is a Zen belief. I just want to see that version of me just just to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It would be fun to watch. Uh, but but I mean, this is kind of like a Buddhist belief. Actually, it's like. I don't believe that the mind exists in a way that like scanning a human body and getting the data out of it could possibly transcribe. Like, I don't believe that's our nature. So I don't, I don't think there's anything to upload, you know, that right. would be the sort of, no, I, I agree with you to say, but, but, th- but this is just about with this friend that I'm talking about, this is just about like medical life extension. Like, would you want to live forever or not? And I have no desire. Am I the only one living forever? Or is everybody? Well, yeah, there's the whole scenario <laughs> thing. But I, I mean, what what my friend says is that there's too much in the universe to see and explore and know. And I think there's also kind of a history component. It's like he's very interested in the outcomes of history, like the long arc of history, and he wants to see it happen in one human life span 80 90 years you know if we're lucky isn't enough to see it happen except for a few lucky or unlucky generations depending on what yeah kind but of you know in the span of human history we've actually seen quite a lot yeah when you put it into perspective yeah yeah like we have seen 20 percent of the u.s history mm. you mean like us yeah like be like just the last 30 years yeah yeah it's true we're in a pretty pivotal moment that contributes to my feeling about it it's like i have seen enough <laughs> you know what i mean like like this is crazy yeah and, it's already a little terrifying yeah uh and we've we've lived through a pandemic totally and that was one was enough you know like to live forever is to necessarily see many more of them oh absolutely and, and and for me though, there's there is that that question that you immediately asked is a big part of it. It's like, I don't want to outlive everyone I know. I don't want to lose them all and have to like find whole new relationships and, you know, yeah. I, I think I think that doesn't enter into it for this friend of mine. I think that he wants to see it for himself, and you know, he'll do what it takes. Because maybe they're just more in, or they're more interested in making new friendships or moving on or maybe they just have that in them to be able to pick up and start over and be okay with that because you'd have to do yeah. that many a, a time lot of times <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some really good sci-fi that's about that uh the well, i'm thinking of uh, altered carbon uh which is a book but it's there's a netflix show too the second season was st- i stopped watching after five minutes of the first episode of the second season that's how bad it was but the first season was great and it's like about how crazy immortal billionaires go because they live so long uh and that's the most interesting part of the sort of premise of the story uh and that seems to me to be obvious it seems like hard-coded that that's what would happen to human beings human beings don't seem they would make a lot of money sure yeah because they they, they, they just by living all. a long time yes. you put it you put it in like an account and <laughs> right. you let would, it say your savings good. account yeah totally but the 
the the you know what happens to people when we get old is we start to lose it and we know we find something else hopefully but it's 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 like it's hard to imagine you know and I'm, I'm speaking from a place of total ignorance it's not like i've gotten old before in this lifetime or whatever but but i can't imagine i already feel like i'm losing my mind mm-hmm. you know i feel like i feel like i've lost my grip on reality already oh yeah and and, and that's Did i okay. ever have a grip on reality i'm not sure <laughs> yeah yeah right i mean no, well, it, I, I think what I mean is that by now it seems like the point of life is to let go of reality. <laughs> so, like, I'm trying to get to lose my grip because if I'm holding on too tight, it's going to be taken away from oh, me. Oh, yeah, you know? absolutely. And, right. And, and that feels like what that immortality wish is all about is just, like, holding on. And I can't imagine what it – like, how crazy one would go holding on for that long. Like, we don't – Whatever we are, we don't seem capable of withstanding, like, 200 years of this. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't really think there would... uh, You would really need Buddhism in a way, because you wouldn't have the loss. And Mm. I think that's missing out, you know. Like, impermanence wouldn't exist. Yeah, because it it would be permanent. (laughs) Well, but everything, everything... I mean parts of it would things about things many important problems that the buddha was trying to solve would be solved without practice yeah because you're assuming your body is fine you just stay young or something like that right but what about all the things that come and go in your life you know that feeling of so you still have to let those go yeah but i still think you'd be missing out on a crucial part of life sure yeah i mean there's no question that and I have like a very privileged body. Like I, my body has been relatively easy to live in. And yet, you know, what's happened to it as I've begun aging, I guess I would say has taught me so much about it's made, it's made me so much more tender and compassionate to just first have to be that way to myself. And then that just sort of changes my capacity to be that way with everyone and to understand where people are coming from. And to just stay, like, a rock-solid 25-year-old forever, it just it, there's something that just seems, like, inherently heartless. Yeah. That. I mean, I think you gain a lot of things from losing things. <laughs> mm. I mean, I, I always felt that way. I've, I've told, said many a times that I thought that lupus was the best thing that happened mm. to me. Mm. Um and I mean, what I what I lost in physical capacity, I gained in like wisdom and, uh, you know, just, you know, you, you prioritize, you mm-hmm. work with your constraints mm-hmm. and you you find something that was, you know, even more meaningful and beautiful than what you had before. Mm. So I never really lost anything in in a net sort of mm-hmm. way. You just brought it full circle in a really beautiful way that I want to ask you more about you know some constraints are imposed from outside quote unquote and some constraints are self-imposed and maybe it's in some cases when you have no constraints you have to impose constraints because we can't really act 
with like complete freedom we get paralyzed or something by who doesn't have any constraints i guess i'm thinking about like in a specific domain like a creative domain Uh like you got a blank page in front of you whether you're writing or drawing Uh, or designing or whatever yeah oh Uh, yeah for sure then that in those cases i can definitely feel crippled and then in a way life is like that from a certain perspective right like obviously there are tons of constraints we can't fly you know but or like teleport or disappear or all these you know there are all these rules on what we can do but choice within within those constraints like the choice of what to do every moment has this kind of unlimited quality i mean that's kind of what zazen shows you right is you can stop everything from happening except this like one particular infinity that is always happening (laughs) and the the you, you you remove constraints from thinking from from moving and thinking and sort of the conventional ways that we impose order on our life to sit zazen and then you get up and you do what you need to do but those every one of those movements is a constraint on that that you're imposing right because when you sit you are at least in this one dimension or direction you're an infinite being but sitting itself is almost like putting a constraint on on yourself because yeah like, well it's gonna like sit in this one position it's true it can feel really confining but then but that's i mean it's like but the that's thing. the that's the thing right because now you have that constraint you're going to explore this area you've never explored before because mm-hmm, that's your mm-hmm. only option that's right it's the creative constraint that you're describing the very one that makes this exploration possible and but it's it's this is com- connecting back to this sort of new agey infinity the new agey not real infinity that we were talking about Mm -hmm. it's it's not there there is no like endless infinity in all directions it's like there's it's give and take it's you have to constrain somewhere in order to unleash somewhere else and the uh, this is just what what choices are it's like the responsibility of a of a of a living being to make choices and a choice constrains every other possibility in the entire universe except the one that you chose. So that's just what freedom is. It's kind of paradoxical. I mean, I, the way the language, I mean, especially in a society like ours, we talk about freedom as this value, as this thing that matters more than anything else in the world. But all that freedom is, is the freedom to do exactly one thing at a time and not do every single one of the other things. Freedom freedom is just the ability to choose the constraint. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I mean there's like there's a like you can imagine sort of like very depressing existentialist version of that where it's like we we are we are, we enslave ourselves to live in society or something. But that's that's actually ridiculous. It's like it's not there's no alternative. There's no the, you, to, to consider yourself a slave to existing is to that is to just impose 
that story on yourself to relate to it as being stuck having to that's the constraint you want yeah if yeah well sure you're free to sort of relate to it however you want to but you know as we know and as we learn and practice some of those choices are the cause of suffering and and it's i mean maybe we can flip it around like the buddhist attitude would be it's your choice to suffer like this is this is i mean this is a pretty zen i don't know i don't know about that well what what i I mean mean kind of but but it also kind of sounds a little condescending Yes, it does, but it's had. But like, I, I I'm not a Zen master, right? Like, I'm just a <laughs> I'm just an initiate like you. The 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 I I can hear the the voice of like the tough love teacher saying, "You're a Buddha. Your your choice to not be a Buddha is a Buddha's choice, right?" Yeah. And the. The thing that the other piece that's not there in that in, the, in when it sounds like that is the compassion that you have to have for yourself. Right. I mean, I, I think when you say like life is dukkha, it's it's going to the part where we're all going to experience this. So mm-hmm. uh, we have to accept it. But part of that is showing compassion and being like, you know, uh, sort of validating people's experiences that they are suffering regardless mm-hmm. of what they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, a, a friend of mine gave a really beautiful v- image of the bodhisattva path that I hadn't really thought about. Um, you know, I don't think in terms of karma very explicitly very much. It seems like a kind of old school attitude, not too far off from the kinds of religious moral concepts that we both sort of turned off from pretty early. But, you know, of course, there are more nuanced ways of understanding it. It's like just cause and effect, really. It's yeah. it's a thing yeah. that's ordinary. Oh, but by the way, my yeah. name. Hmm? My name, uh, my Dharma name. Yeah. Inga. Oh, yeah, well, I don't even know what it means now. It means it. cause and effect, just one. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. I knew that would come up at some point. I just didn't want to <laughs> force it in there. Well, there it is. <laughs> we got there. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's continuous, right? It's not like it's not like you make a choice and that alters the karma of the universe. It's all one long cause and effect, I think is what that what that means, right? And I mean, who knows? Yeah, I guess who knows. But That's I like fine. I like that interpretation too. <laughs> I think I think leaving it as who knows is a good idea. But the 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 image that my friend gave me about the bodhisattva is that the bodhisattva, you know, it's not just about like refusing enlightenment in order to save all beings it's more specific it's like creating like buddha buddha nature doesn't create karma right that's what we say like creating karma is a thing that you do when you're entangled in the web of karma and so to be a buddha is to not leave a trace in the world right Mm -hmm. but to be a bodhisattva is to leave a trace in the world in order to help others so the bodhisattva is making this choice to cr- to create karma to sort of like shake the net or like you know untangle the net that other beings are trapped in and that traps them and the the choice to leave a mark on the world becomes this compassionate action 
And that's the, I mean, you can believe if you want to, that like we're capable of transcending the entire universe by just meditating really hard and getting out, escaping. Mm -hmm. But if you don't believe that, or if you don't yet have evidence that that is possible, what alternative is there but to just keep creating karma but doing it for others so it is a choice it is a constraint you're constraining your buddha hood in order to to be in the world with people but they're kind of They're, 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 it's, it seems like a better idea. It does seem like a better <laughs> idea. I mean, and I, I, I have uh, I've personally benefited from people who I feel are bodhisattvas, mm -hmm. you know, whether they practice Zen Buddhism or not. Mm -hmm. I feel like they exist, uh, you know, when they've sort of made this decision mm -hmm. to, to do that. Mm -hmm. um, like Fred Rogers. Mm -hmm. I feel like he was totally. a bodhisattva. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Adrian Mishler from Yoga from Adrian. Hmm. Just a wonderful teacher and I just feel like she's dedicated her life to kind of like spreading this sort of karma like mm -hmm. you said. And I think there's just nothing more beautiful. The those are the types of people I look up to more than anyone. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like what what higher, you know, uh, life path is there? <laughs> and and one of the key things, I mean like Mr. Rogers is a perfect example of this. One of the key things about like a real bodhisattva, you know, John Lewis, the late Congressman John Lewis is one of the examples that comes up in my world all the time as, mm -hmm. as an example of a modern American bodhisattva. And, you know, there are so many, we can think of so many if we just sat here and tried, but one, but let's just stick with Mr. Rogers. The thing about Mr. Rogers that's so obviously bodhisattva nature is that he's for everyone. Yeah. That you don't look at Mr. Rogers and say like, he's a Christian or he's a, you know, I don't know, a Quaker or he's a Buddhist or something. He's just Mr. Rogers. And there's no containing what he did in symbols and dogmas and rituals. I mean, the rituals of Mr. Rogers are just like saying hi to people, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and like getting to know your, the, you know, the mailman. That you're happy that they're your neighbor. Yeah. You know, and I think that's like such a nice thing to say that I'm just happy you're here. Householders is a production of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Silent Thunder Order. Find us on the web at ASZC.org. Our Sangha depends on your support. You can donate by PayPal to donate at storder.org. Gasho.